You don't have to stand there the whole time if you don't want to. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, all right, have you been watching them? Have you been watching the Olympics? Some yes, some no. I love the Olympics, so I like I, we fight over the remote to see who can watch the Olympics. Um, but yes, it's uh, it maybe doesn't get the same fanfare. The Winter Olympics don't necessarily get the same fanfare as the the Summer Olympics, but it's it's exciting to watch. Last night, women's curling or whatever. I love uh, watching curling, and and it's just a, a neat time. And is so, what are the Olympics? Is you have people from five continents, actually six continents, but they link the Americas together. That's why there's only five rings. And so you have five continents, and you have 91 countries, and you have 2,874 athletes converging on Beijing, China, right now to compete for gold. But that's not the only purpose of the Olympics, at least not officially. If you look at the, uh, the mission statement of the Olympic Committee, uh, they will say, we're not just here to promote athletics, we're not just here to compete for gold and see who the top uh, athletes, contestants are around the world. No, this is part of the goal of the mission statement of the Olympics, that the Olympics exist to contribute to building a peaceful and better world. So how do you think they're doing? You know, it seems like this year more than others, they were really talking about, hey, make sure we don't do this protest thing while we're over there. And so there's a, not so much peaceful. Or, or maybe to share a stat, 169 million. Uh, do you know what that is? 169 million is how many, how many war-related deaths have happened across the globe ever since the modern Olympics started in 1896? So if I'm doing a SWOT analysis of the Olympics to see if they're accomplishing their mission, I would say, ah, maybe not quite so much. Now, I'm not saying that is the Olympics' fault, okay? It's not because the Olympics, there's 169 million. Who knows? Maybe there'd be 269 million uh, war-related deaths if, if the, there were no such things as, as the Olympics. Uh, but you get the point that things aren't really peaceful. And even though it's on the Olympic Committee mission statement, uh, yes, to make a peaceful and better world, it's not just the Olympics who wish for peace or who pray for peace or, or who strive for peace. I mean, you, you listen to any president ca presidential campaign every four years, you're going to hear one of the campaign was, is going to talk about peace, especially it seems like peace in the Middle East is something that's always talked about. Or you listen to any Miss America or Miss Universe pageant winner and what's she going to talk about? She's going to say something about peace in this world. 3,000 years ago, there were people traveling uh, to worship and you know what they were hoping for? Actually, not what they were just hoping for, they were praying for peace. Uh, listen to these words. These are words we're going to be looking at today, the second half of Psalm 122. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. <clears throat> May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. So what does this mean? Maybe sometimes it's beneficial to say what it doesn't mean 
uh, as much as what it does me. We, we speak, we communicate in such ways that we, we don't want to be misunderstood as much as we want to be understood. And it's valuable to talk about this because oftentimes this idea of praying for the peace of Jerusalem can be misunderstood. There are some teachings out there, some false teachings out there, pretty prevalent uh, teachings even in, our cir- in, in Christian circles that think uh, we need to be uh, praying for the peace of Jerusalem and we need to be allies with Israel uh, because there's this idea out there that Jesus is going to come back someday and he is going to establish an earthly kingdom and rule here for about a thousand years before the end of the world. And they say he's going to do that in Jerusalem and Israel and we want to be on the right side when that happens so we better be friends with Jerusalem, we better be friends with Israel. That's a misinterpretation of really how the New Testament talks about Jerusalem and Israel. Over and over and over again, we just had this in Bible study on Thursday, whenever the Bible in the New Testament talks about Jerusalem, it's not so much a place, it's, it's more people. It says you, anybody who believes uh, in the New Testament, now we're Israel, we're God's chosen people. It doesn't matter on your nationality, it doesn't matter where you live. Uh, so the New Jerusalem is, is what we confess in the, the creed, the Holy Christian Church. Uh, so this, I mean, not that we don't want to pray for the peace around the world. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. And I'm, I have, this is no political statement about whether or not we should be allies with anybody. But we pray for the peace of Jerusalem just like we pray for the peace in Tokyo or Berlin or Milan or, or Beijing. Wherever, you know, we want, we want peace just because it's, it's beneficial. But not because that Jesus is going to come back and establish an earthly kingdom there. But the, per, the best way to approach Scripture, though, is also to look at the immediate context. And so what are we talking about here? This is a thousand years before Jesus comes. And where are the people traveling to? And where do they live? They are on their way to the city of Jerusalem. And so immediate context and, and accurate portrayal of what they are praying for they are really thinking about that place at 32 degrees north 35 degrees east latitude and longitude that they are thinking about they are praying for their city which is their cultural center their political center their spiritual center their religious center in fact that's what they're going they are going to jerusalem because that is where the temple is that is that is where they're on so they're thinking hey i want to have peace there and maybe there's a, a nice little uh, reminder there for us or lesson there for us to pray for our cities as well. And I, I don't know if I've done that. I, I, don't, I don't know if I've prayed for Washington, D.C. through confessions. Maybe, maybe in 9-11 when the Pentagon, you know, got attacked or maybe some people prayed for a year ago when there was an uprising, you know, at the Capitol. But... For the most part, I, I don't pray, and I, I, I honestly, true confessions, I haven't prayed for Carson City, our, our, our state's capital. I, I haven't prayed for Reno itself, I don't think, um, or, or to pray for our communities. <laughs> it, unless I'm completely different than you, I, I, I don't usually think about praying for the peace or security of a particular area. 
I, I, I think we're really good at praying for our congregations. I think we're really good about praying for our leaders in a spiritual realm or in our, in our, in our homes. Uh, you know, and I, I enjoy getting those texts from you every once in a while. I say, oh, yeah, uh, Pastor, just wanted to let you know you were on our prayer list today. That's awesome. I appreciate that. But again, I don't know if I've ever prayed for our councilwoman, Bonnie Weber. I don't know if I've ever prayed for Mayor Sheevy or Governor Sisolak or President Biden or any of our, sec- our senators or congresspeople. And, and to use this example of, of the psalmist to, to pray, uh, to pray for these people and to pray for peace in our society, to pray for our communities, be very beneficial. And, and so why, maybe that becomes the question, why would I want to do that? There's a real practical answer to that question. Why would I want to do that? Because it is so easy to complain about our, our cities or our city leaders or our country or our state or in our state leaders or our government leaders. You know, you know when, when we get to that, that part of the handy prayer, we probably more often than not want to give them the middle finger instead of remembering to pray for them uh, with that middle finger, right? Um, and, or, and it's not just government. You know, you can think of our bosses or you can think of anybody who's in control. But let me ask you this. What's going to be more beneficial? To pray for someone? Or complain about someone. If we don't, <laughs> yeah, pray. Good answer. Uh, if we don't, if we don't, you know, if we prayed as much as we complained, imagine what that would do for our communities, or for our HOAs, or for our cities, or our countries, or our states. Again, I'm not saying we shouldn't use the, the tools that are established for us. If, if you're having bad customer service at Applebee's, yeah, fill out a comment card and maybe make a positive change that way. Or use, use the avenues that we have in government to, to, to write petitions and send them off to the, to the leaders or, or, or make decisions at the voting booth. That is, that is all within the realm. That's not complaining. That, that's improving. But, but, you know, ask ourselves... What is going to make a bigger difference? What is going to make the biggest improvements? Sending a petition off to a political leader or sending a petition up to God? You know, every time I, I, I talk about prayer in starting point, uh, we, we get to this verse from 1 Timothy 2. And it says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. And I, again, I admit uh, today that every time I, I point at that, I, I very easily see three po- fingers pointing back at me how often I fail to do that. To pray 
for those in authority, to pray for those who are in control of things, um, that we may have peaceful lives. This pleases God. Why don't we do that? Maybe we forget about the practicality of it, but, but maybe God knows we struggle with just the practicality of the, that answer. He knows what, what often leads us to do something is our motivation. And so too, as these psalmists go on here and say, hey, pray for the city of Jerusalem, pray for our, our, our area, uh, God goes on and he gives us some great motivation to do that. Uh, look, look at this next verse here. He says, so pray for the peace of Jerusalem and may you be secure in everything. Why? Verse 8, for the sake of my family and friends, I will say peace be within you. That motivates me. That moves me. Because if I, if I look at my own prayer life, and this is always the advantage that, that I have over you guys. I have been working or thinking about these words for 15 to 20 hours this week, and you've been thinking or think about them for 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, so, but, but I want you to think about what do you pray about on a daily basis? I would guess 80% of my prayers, as I took stock, 80% of my prayers are about those who are close to me, my family and my friends. And, and that's okay. I mean, that's, that's awesome to pray for family and friends. And, and, but what a, this is so simplistic, but just it's eye-opening. If I pray for my communities, who benefits? And not just my church or my city or my community or my, my country, but my kids benefit or, or those that are close to us benefit from that. And, and again, so, so like I said, this is, this is such simplistic, but it, it is rather eye-opening. I, I just kind of went through my, my normal prayers or, or some common prayers that I have and tried to look at them from a, a little bit bigger perspective. So, so one of my common prayers is, is to pray for the spiritual life of my kids. Lord, keep my kids close to you. All right? And which is a, a noble prayer. So if, if I dissected one of those, so I'll, I'll, I'll pick my oldest, so I say, Lord, keep Alyssa close to you. Nice prayer. Alyssa's my oldest daughter. But then I started wondering, if I wanted to make that a little bit bigger, pray for someone in authority, maybe I should pray, Lord, bless Pastor Milky's message today. Pastor Milky is her pastor down in Florida. Because who's going to benefit? My daughter's going to benefit if I pray for him, too. That might be how God answers that prayer. Or another common prayer, I, I, I pray for my wife and her job. So Lord, uh, give Mary uh, satisfaction and joy in her job. Again, a noble prayer. By the way, Mary's visiting one of my sons today, so she's not here. Um, but what if I prayed, Lord, be with Principal Egloff and give her wisdom? as she leads that school where my wife teaches. So now my wife, for the sake of my family and my friends, if God answered that prayer, could, what a wonderful way. Or on Tuesday nights here, we've been, we've been hosting divorce care, which has been just uh, really, I've really enjoyed it. It's been a, a great Bible studies and great discussions. And we have three people from the community that have been coming and Anybody's welcome. It's, it's, it's a very much Bible study for, for any marriages, broken or not. And, uh, but, but that has led me to, to pray for marriages in general. It's, it's really increased my way of praying for, for marriages of people that are close to me or marriages of our congregation. I've, I've actually prayed for, for all of your marriages ever since we started that. And, and, and so 
But I also thought, well, what if I expanded that? And I, I prayed for the economy of our country, of our city, because one of the great stressors on marriages is finances. And how God, if he answered that prayer, who's going to benefit? My friends and my family. You know, and, and you just walk through that, and, and, and then you just see the, the, the multiplication factor of that. I mean, you, you go through those examples. So if I pray, instead of saying, okay, Lord, keep, keep Alyssa close to you, who, and God says, yes, I'll answer that prayer for you right now, how many people benefit? One. But if I pray, Lord, bless Pastor Milky's message today, how many people benefit? 101 is what they average. Um, or if I pray, you know, Lord, uh, keep, uh, give help Mary at her job and find joy and satisfaction. And God says, yes, I'll answer that prayer. Who benefits? One. But if I pray for, for Principal Egloff and give her wisdom as she leads that school, and God says, yes, who benefits? 500 students plus faculty. Or if I pray for, for marriages, if I pray for your marriages here, how many people benefit? 25 couples, I think, we have in our congregation. If I pray for the economy of Reno, 39,000 couples benefit. Point is, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for people that are close to us or praying for one person at a time. There is no prayer too small. But what God's opening our eyes to is that just don't make your prayers small. Don't doubt me. Look at what I can do. If, if, if God says yes to if your prayers, and, and understand this, the power of your prayers maybe doesn't just affect one, but God can use you and your prayers to affect hundreds, thousands, Millions, even billions, as prayers get answered for around the world. What an invitation that God is holding out to you as he says, pray, pray for your Jerusalems, whatever they are. And it's not just your friends and your family, the people that are close to you that might benefit. It's also the second figure that benefits from that, those who point the way you... Uh, the, the psalmist goes on to say here, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Why? For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek Jerusalem's prosperity. Uh, for the house of the Lord your God. I, I mean, did these, psalm, did these people who were singing this love their churches? You bet they did. I mean, they're walking 75, 80, 85 miles on foot to go to church. Uh, you, you look at the er, earlier in this psalm, this is the same psalm that says, uh, I rejoice with those who said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I mean, the church was so much a part of their life, so much that they loved. And, and, and just like you guys do, I mean, you guys made the trek here today. And, and so I know you love your church. Or if you're visiting for the first time today, I, I know you're going to love this church. And, and, I, and I know you love uh, the work of the church. I know you pray for the ministry. I, I've seen it. I've heard it. And even if you don't specifically pray for it, you, may, you, you pray for it generically. Whenever you pray the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come. We want God's word to go out and reign in people's hearts. When we pray, hallowed be your name, we want God's name to be revered and held up in high esteem. So, so we do pray for that. And, and, and so what, but, but how often do we, 
Do we ever think about the prosperity of the, of the community and how that affects our church? You know, do we pray for North Valleys? Do we pray for Reno? Uh, do we pray for Sparks? Yeah. You know, do we... I, I think of how many times, again, I... So this week we had to hand in some mission plans. Okay, I could say, Lord, yeah, help us average 58 worshipers a week in, two, in the next year. Okay, great prayer. Lord, help our location search team uh, so that we know wh where we'll be in the future, how that will happen. Okay, great. Lord, bring more and more people to starting point that they hear the peace that you have won. Great. But God's encouraging us, think bigger. That when our area has prosperity, when there is more good news out there, it can benefit the good news that comes out from here. Case in point, maybe you've heard of something called the Pax Romana, translated the Peace of Rome. Uh, this is uh, a 200-year block of history, 27 B.C. to approximately 180, D, 180 A.D., give or take a few years on each side. But this block of, of history is called Pax Romana because there was, Rome was so big, so powerful that nobody could stand up to them. So it was somewhat forced peace. But there was peace. And as, as the empire spread, uh, it went all the way up from, from uh, Great Britain to the north to uh, Ethiopia to the south, Iraq to the east. Nobody could even stand up to anybody. Nobody, you know, but, but what happened? What happened? It's not, it, it's not like the, the rulers were Christian. The, the leaders from Caesar Augustus to Marcus Aurelius, none of them. None of them were believers. In fact, they thought they themselves was gods. The entertainment of the country, of the empire, was not very God-pleasing. But as they prospered, as they were at peace, it's not a coincidence that God saw that as the time that had fully come to send peace into the world in the person of Jesus. And it's not a coincidence that as that good news then spread from the time of Jesus on, that it was during that era that the good news, the gospel spread more than it ever had before. So let's learn from history. When there is prosperity, when, when God is watching over our, our communities and our cities and our countries and our world, it is good for the gospel. And the more that there is peace and prosperity, what's going to happen then? If it's good for the spread of the gospel, what does the Bible say? As that gospel goes out quicker and quicker and quicker and reaches more and more hearts, well, that's when real peace comes. Because as, as it reaches every corner of the world, then Jesus, Jesus will come back. And then we see, not just a Jerusalem like we've been talking about here, but we'll see a new Jerusalem, a perfect Jerusalem, 
a perfect church, a perfect world, as people from every nation, tribe, language, and people will be gathered there. And as they are gathered there, what are they going to be doing? They are going to be walking uh, underneath the, the light of the glory of God, as we heard in Revelation 2010, and not just or in Revelation 21, and not just walking behind the light of an Olympic torch. Then, then the, the, that is going to be a place where we are going to see the gates are never shut. Why? Because there's no threats. There's perfect peace. An everlasting peace. A peace that surpasses understanding. A peace between not just people, but a peace between you and God. All because of the peace that Jesus wants. And that gives us reason. That gives us reason to pray. To pray for the peace of our places here. Knowing that it eventually leads to a peace there. So come, come and worship a God who gives us peace. Amen.